Good morning and welcome to the Living Well class. This is week 19 of our Onward Christian Soldier series. And so we are going to be in Ephesians chapter 6 this morning. And so what we're going to do is we're going to have a teaching time right now, followed by small group time. Those that are listening online, listening later, uh, you'll just need to know there'll be a break uh, It'll just be a click for you, and then we'll restart. We'll regroup and discuss things together as a group uh, at the end. And so turn with me, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. We've already prayed here <clears throat> for the Lord to help us with this. But in this passage, this is what we read. And for me, Paul says, in regards to prayer, pray for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. And that's our passage for this morning. By way of review, what we have been talking about recently is the armor of God. We've looked at the different pieces of armor, and we've seen that because we have an enemy that's a spiritual enemy, we need a spiritual armor. We will not stand in the Christian faith. We will not stand. We're going to have some sort of failure, some sort of fall. Okay, you cannot stand unless you withstand. That means that there's when the devil starts pushing, we're going to push back. When he tries to get us to fall, we're going to resist. And so we can't stand unless we withstand. And we, we cannot withstand unless we have the armor in place. Those realities should be part of our mindset, part of our worldview. Okay? In terms of spiritual reality, those things ought to now be a part of your spiritual reality. You really do have an enemy. You really will fall unless you withstand him, and you can't withstand him without the armor on, and we saw that in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13. This is by way of review. And having gone through all the different pieces of armor, what we saw was the whole point is that we might stand through prayer. The different pieces of armor align our prayers with the word of God and with the will of God. And what we saw was that, <clears throat> like Charles Spurgeon said, prayer is the slender nerve that moves the muscle of omnipotence, God's all-powerfulness. Prayer, on our part, is what moves God's muscle on our behalf. And so, just like nerves send messages to the brain, and those muscles and those nerves must be coordinated such that there is purposeful motion and activity, our prayers have to line up with God's plan so that there's purposeful motion moving forward. And the illustration was, uh, what, if God, what if God called Peter and Andrew and said, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And Andrew jumps up. And, and he jumps off the boat, he follows the Lord, and then Peter tries to do the same thing. Peter tries to stand, but he finds himself paralyzed. He's seen Jesus walk away, and Andrew follow him, and he says, Andrew's like, Peter, come on! Come follow the Lord! And, and Peter's trying, but he can't get up. He's paralyzed. 
Okay, believer, this is in Christianity what we find. There's a lot of people that want to follow the Lord. They just can't stand against the devil. They can't get up and move forward. And every time they try, they just fall again and again. And what we find in these passages is the solution for that problem. We find the way to move forward, and it has to do with biblical prayer. It has to do with that slender nerve properly aligned with the muscle that results in purposeful motion forward. God has given us a call. Come, come and see, come and follow. Go ye therefore. God has given us a calling, and without these things in place, no matter how bad we want it, we're going to find ourselves spiritually paralyzed, unable to stand and unable to move forward. So this morning, as I was thinking about this message, I, I had to consider, we've covered a lot of things. Through the different parts of the armor of God, we've covered truth, we've covered righteousness, we've covered the preparation to preach the gospel, we've covered faith, we've covered salvation in its different aspects, and the word of God, and we have discussed prayer. It's like, that's like, most of what we talk about in Christianity, in terms of our relationship with God, who we are in the faith, what the word. Okay, so what's left? What's left for us in the Onward Christian Soldier series? Okay, there's a lot left, and Paul answers this. Paul answers this with his prayer requests and with his purpose, uh, personal example. Okay, so that's what goes in the blanks. Prayer requests and personal example. We see the answer, like what to do next. 1 Corinthians 11.1 1 is on the PowerPoint. This is what Paul says there. He says, be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. And Paul was not just a father in the faith. He was not just a, an apostle. Paul was an example for us to follow in terms of the church age. Paul revealed the mystery. Paul was a guy that brought the gospel as it is. And when Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ, that's an instruction for us that when we see Paul, when we read the things of Paul, it's more than just someone telling you what to do. He's giving us an example of how to live. Okay, so let's go through this passage, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 19 through 20, and let's just get an explanation. Then we'll work through this as a small group. We'll have one small group online and then, and then a small group here in class, and then we'll get together at the end maybe for a review. So the passage starts with this. Paul says in regards to prayer, because in verse 18, we're all supposed to pray for everybody all the time about everything, right? We're all, all right, well, and then Paul says, and for me. So Paul asks specifically for prayer. To ask for prayer is not a sign of spiritual weakness. It's a sign of spiritual wokeness. To ask for prayer is not a sign of spiritual weakness. It's a sign of spiritual wokeness. You understand spiritual reality enough that you're like, I need prayer, and I know it. 
so I'm not afraid to ask for it. In fact, I'm on the mission so intently, I'm so focused that I care enough. I, I, I recognize my need for prayer and I'm not afraid to ask for it. If you really intend on winning souls and discipling them, if you really intend to do that, then you know you, you're going to covet the prayers of your brothers and sisters. So yesterday morning, we had a meeting. It was an early morning meeting at 7 o'clock. And it was a Zoom meeting for, for different places, different people around the world, okay, as close as Denver and as far away as Japan. So different people who are praying for Midtown Baptist Temple to plant a church in their, in, in, in their city. There's people calling us and they're going, look, I think, this is, I think this is of the Lord. You ought to see this place. I've got a Bible study started. There's fruit, but there's no Bible-believing, disciple-making church here. Will you come and plant a church here, or will it, you at least explore it? Let's see if the Lord's in it. So we've had, we, we had these groups on this Zoom meeting, and we're just talking about that. What would that look like? What's the plan? How do we move forward? How can we connect our LFBI students, our mission prep group, who all want to go be church planners with sites that say, hey, I think God... How does that work? We're talking about that. We're praying about that. Sam was in on that meeting, and, and he had to leave to go teach LFBI. This is what he said on the way out the door. Hey, by the way, would you pray for me? I'm feeling a little tongue-tied this morning, and I'm going to go teach the Bible Institute, the next generation of leaders. I mean, he didn't say all that, but he said, would you pray for me? I'm feeling tongue-tied. It matters that the message that I have to communicate gets communicated in the power of the Holy Spirit clearly so that it can be understood. The people that hear it need to be able to receive it. Would you pray for me? I'm getting ready to go teach the Bible. So we stopped our meeting right there. After he left, we're like, hey, let's just pray. And we prayed for Sam to be able to communicate clearly the things that God had for him to communicate. That wasn't a sign of spiritual weakness on Sam's part. That was just an understanding of the importance of the mission that we've been given and the importance of clearly communicating what God had given us. And this is Paul, and this is an example for us. We need to be praying. We need people to be praying for us. And so on your handout, there's a text box. It says, following Paul's steps to fruitfulness. It's over on the side there. And the first one, just like Paul, we need to request. We need to request prayer for our ministry engagements. The, the system that God set up is that you're going to pray for me and I'm going to pray for you. We're going to make intercession one for another. Paul continues in the verse. It says, okay, so pray and for me that utterance Verse 19, that utterance may be given unto me. Okay, well, this is cool. The, that Paul asks for utterance. Anyone know what that word is in the Greek, that utterance? It's logos, the, the words. 
Okay, in the beginning was the word. And, and okay, we we Paul's praying for utterance, and so we have doctrinal, historical, and personal applications of Scripture. And 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 before we pray for the words to preach, to teach, to communicate, we need to consider this passage historically and doctrinally. So flip with me to Second Peter in your Bible. We'll go to the general epistles here, Second Peter. And we're going to get some insight into Paul's prayer request. In 2 Peter, I'm going to read some passages and then we'll and then we'll discuss it. Okay, 2 Peter chapter 1, 1 through 4. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. So this is a letter from Simon Peter, a servant and a what? An apostle. He points that out in the first verse. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And so Peter's saying, look, everything you need, you've been given in the promises of God's word. I'm, I'm saying this as an apostle, as someone who walked with Jesus, who has the authority that God passed on when Christ ascended, the authority, by the authority of the apostles. I'm telling you, you have what you need, all things that pertain unto life and godliness, in the promises of God's word. And then verses 13 and 14, Peter says this, Yea, I think it meet, I think it's appropriate, as long as I am in this tabernacle, speaking of his physical body, to stir you up by putting you into remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this, my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ hath shewed me. Okay, wait a minute. What's he saying? He's saying, I'm about to leave this physical body. So I'm telling you some stuff in preparation for my death. I'm an apostle. Oh, but by the way, the apostles aren't going to be with you much longer. The apostolic age is going to end, and there's some things that you need to know. That's what he's saying. Verse 16, he says, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty, speaking of the transfiguration of Christ. For he, Christ, received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice, Peter says, which came from heaven, we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. Once again, this is a reference to the authority of the apostles who could speak about Christ, the revelation, hearing from God in a way that no one else could. Verse 19, we have also a more sure word of prophecy. More sure than the audible voice of God which we heard from heaven. Whereunto ye do well that ye take heed as a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. 
knowing this, that no prophecy of the scripture is, is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Flip over to 2 Peter 3, verse 16. Peter says, and also in all his epistles, speaking of the writings of Paul, and also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood. Some of Paul's writings are hard to understand. You know, and we read 2 Thessalonians 2 and say, amen. It's kind of hard for me to get my head around that. Which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, that's like wrestle, they twist it, as they do also their other scriptures unto their own destruction. Wait, other scriptures? Peter in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 16, equates the writings of Paul as scripture. He says Paul's writings and the other scriptures. So Paul's writings, Peter's writings here, they are scripture. And this is the point that Peter is making. Are you ready? The apostles, we're about to die off. But we're leaving you a better source of authority than us. We're leaving you the written word of God, the scriptures. These things that Paul hath written unto you. It's the written word of God. 2 Peter chapter 1, take heed unto it as a light that shines in the dark place. So listen, <clears throat> let's go back to utterance being given unto me. Paul is praying as an apostle for the words that God would have him to speak. But we, we don't pray like that. I don't pray, God, I need to come up with something that's true that I can preach. Why not? Why, why do I not need to pray for the word of God so that I have something to say? It's already written. It's been given. We have the inspired and preserved word of God, which is authoritative, which we then take and we preach it, but first we have to learn it. I have to, okay, we have the word of God in completion. That's what goes in the blank. Paul prayed for utterance. He prayed for logos. He prayed for the word of God. We have a more sure logos of prophecy. We, same word. We have it. It's complete. It is finished. My job is not to pray for something to preach. No, my job is to study out what I've been given so that now I can preach it. Understanding the historical doctrinal and personal application of the scripture, our prayer really needs to be, God, help me to study out what I have been given already. And so what we might say is we request, we, we, we get, we, we request prayer, but then I'm going to take what I've been given. I'm going to study it. I'm, I'm not just going to read it. I'm going to research. I'm, I'm going to figure out what I've been given. I'm going to compare scripture to scripture. 
I'm going to do the hard work of studying the Bible and learning it for myself because I've been given the word, but having a Bible on your bookcase is not the same thing as knowing what it is you're supposed to preach and what you're supposed to teach. Having a Bible on your shelf, in one sense, I have the whole word of God, but in another sense, you don't have anything. It's not in your heart and it's not in your mind and you haven't made it yours. Thy word have I hid in my heart. Well, have you? You know, if you haven't, then you haven't. And you can't say I really have the word of God like I need to in order to do the work of the Lord. So, so we're going to apply that utterance might be given unto me. Uh, it's the same prayer, but it's different for us. We just need, we need to study it out so that we have it to speak. We don't need to ask for a supernatural, some sort of dream or vision or something like that. Okay. Paul continues. He says that utterance may be given unto me back in Ephesians chapter six, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Okay. So, you guys know about the word mystery in your Bible, right? What does mystery mean? It was hidden. Yeah, it was concealed, but now it's revealed. Okay. So the gospel is a mystery, right? It was concealed, but it's now revealed. Right? We are revealing we're revealing that truth to people to whom it's hidden, right? Is it revealed unto your family members? Or is it concealed to your family members? Is it revealed to your friends? Or is it concealed to your friends? Is it revealed to your coworkers? Or is it still concealed? Paul says, pray for me that I, that I may reveal what is concealed. And of course, Paul brought in the gospel. He taught in Romans, and then here again in Ephesians, very clearly, the mystery of the church age, this thing that no one saw coming except God himself, right? The, the mystery of the church age. And he reveals that to us. But now, you know, in Ephesians 6, pray for me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. And so this is our next, okay? This is our next part. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. That's a picture of Christ on the road to Emmaus, and he is revealing through the scriptures who he is as the Christ, and their hearts burned within them because Christ was taking and revealing truth to them. The word of God as a sword was piercing and dividing. Is my word not a hammer? Is it not a fire? God said to Jeremiah, revealing God's word, the truth, the gospel to those to whom it is concealed. And just like Christ on the road to Emmaus, we need to be 
revealers, steward of the mysteries of God. That mystery has been given to you. It's been revealed to you that you might, as a steward, take what you've received and multiply it. Which brings us to our next R, which is reveal. We need to request, get people praying for you, for your place in the mission and the ministries in which you're involved. You need that. We will not stand unless we withstand. And a big part of withstanding is prayer. You need to research. You need to learn the Bible for yourself so that you can then teach others. And then finally, reveal. We need to be stewards of the mysteries of, of God. And this mystery of the gospel, the mystery of the church age, the mystery of Christ in you, that the, this needs to be something that we are all about revealing to those that don't see it. And then finally, the last R is represent. Paul says <clears throat> in verse 20, speaking of the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds. Wait, wait, okay, so we would probably just put that preposition at the end of the phrase. We would probably say, speaking of the mystery of gospel, uh, and that's what I'm an ambassador in bonds for. Okay, so, so Paul says, I'm an ambassador in bonds. What's an ambassador? That's a citizen of a different country who is now living in a country that is not his home, not the place of his citizenship, but he's there to represent his home country. As a representative of heaven, okay, as a citizen of, of heaven, we are representing heaven to earth. We are ambassadors. Now, Paul was literally in bonds because Ephesians is one of the prison epistles. But he also called himself the bondsman of Christ. He's also figuratively an ambassador in bonds. He is here bound by a calling, bound by a purpose, because that's what his king, his lord, his, the, the, the king of his country has called him to do. So he's not a citizen of this world anymore. He's here as an ambassador. He's here as a steward okay and then you look at that ought o-u-g-h-t in the end of verse 20 that therein i may speak boldly as i ought to speak we need to boldly speak as we ought as we should as ambassadors of christ make known to others the thing that is concealed to them but has been revealed to you, the gospel, and get others praying for you. You're going to need them. I thank God for the Arabic-speaking outreach, that there's fruit, there's now visitors coming. We, we need to pray for that. We ought to pray for that team as they reveal truth to a whole culture of people to whom it has been concealed they are blind okay now as an ambassador in bonds we will not find our place until we're doing what we ought 
We're never going to come to a place of peace with the Lord. We're never going to get rid of the restlessness until we realize the restlessness is actually there because we're trying to find rest in a place which is not our home. I don't fit in this world anymore. It's not for me. I don't speak the language. You know, there used to be times after I would save and I would go do things or we'd go places or we'd, you know, maybe we'd go to dinner and it's in a, it's in like a bar and grill type place or something. And it's, it's the world stuff going on. And I would just have this feeling like, ah, this isn't for me. I don't fit in here. I don't, I, I don't, ah, the whole world is like that. I just don't fit in here very well. Yeah, that's the restlessness. And until we say, oh, that's because I'm an ambassador. My citizenship is in heaven. I'm just an ambassador. I represent, the, I represent heaven on earth. I'm just here as a revealer. That's what I'm here for, is to just show people the truth, to shine light in the darkness. That's it. I'm going to represent. As soon as I do that, and I can just let go of trying to find rest here, no, I find rest vertically, not horizontally. And so once we figure that out, now we have peace. Doing what we ought and just buying into that and making that part of our worldview uh, takes care of a lot of the restlessness that plagues young believers or carnal believers. Um, or I just say immature, people that haven't realized that yet and they're still being influenced by what's on the internet more so than what's in the word. So... All right, so Will, let's take a break. We're going to break up into a small group and and have a small group discussion here. We really, um, okay, are we paused there then? Okay, pause there. And so running out of time. Okay, so our small group time, the, the, we looked at these small group questions. Do you have people praying for you? How specifically do you have utterance that is, something to say that others need to hear. How bold are you as a steward of the mystery of the gospel? And can you reveal this mystery to others? And we didn't get to number four. Are you like Paul, an ambassador in bonds? And is that part of your worldview? But we had a good discussion. And I think really what we saw was as a steward of the mysteries of God, we need to have wisdom and boldness, both. And... Um, Maybe being a steward is, is more than just doing evangelism once in a while. It's really owning that which we've been given and being willing to reveal it to others. And so in terms of application, number one, pray for the mission by praying for the members. When Sam said, pray for me that I might, you know, I'm feeling tongue-tied, pray for me. Was he praying for himself as a member or was he praying for the mission? Well, he was praying for both hey, pray for me. I recognize who I am in the flesh. Oh my goodness, pray for me because I have a place in the mission. All right? So I'm not just praying for physical things. I'm not just praying about the COVID. I'm not just praying about my knee. I'm not just praying about your back. We're praying for our place in the mission. And our small groups in the Living Well class, I think, can be uh, a great that's one thing we need to be doing in our small groups is that we need to be deliberately praying for the mission by praying for the members. Get this going in both direction. You're asking people to pray for you and they're asking you to pray for them. And you've got a relationship that's based on ministry, praying together like that. Okay. Number two, take your next step in your personal growth. 
wherever you're at, be willing to move forward in that. Number three, re-engage in your evangelistic Bible studies. Look, Stuart, I mean, no better opportunity than if we can get going again in our Bible studies. And then number four, realize your true identity, your true citizenship. Go ahead and just embrace that. Get over the fact that this world is not a source of pleasure. It's, not a, it's a mission field, and we're just here as ambassadors. Let's get busy stewarding that which we've been given. Okay.